So this is our, uh, I think, our third week um, reading Simone Don's Individuation in the Light of Notions of Form and Information. Um, so we're still in the introduction. Um, we, we just finished the foreword last time and just started the introduction. So we're at uh, page four of the introduction. Um, so um, we've just seen his, uh, his initial criticisms of the hylomorphic schema uh, and the atomistic or substantialist schema. Uh, so these two alternate modes of understanding what individuation is um, and, and both of them uh, or each of them is insufficient um, because they, um, they uh, presuppose a principle of individuation which precedes the individuation process itself. Um, and, and that principle is already something uh, of the nature of an individual. Uh, so it's, it's presupposing what it's supposed to explain. Um, and uh, so that's his, his sort of general criticism of those two modes of explanation of, of individuation. Um, and then he has more detailed criticisms of each of them as well that we'll, we'll get to as we continue through the book. Um, so I can start. Oh, I just skipped ahead. Sorry, just a second. Let me find the page again. Okay, um, I'll start from uh, the first full paragraph on, uh, on page four. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where we got to, but um, we can start from there and uh, continue, and then other people can take up the reading. The word ontogenesis takes on its full meaning if, instead of granting it the restricted and derived sense of the individual's genesis in opposition to a vaster genesis, for example, that of the species, it is made to designate the nature of beings becoming that through which the being becomes insofar as it is, qua being. It is possible that the opposition of being and becoming may be valid only within a certain doctrine that supposes that the very model of being is substance. But it is also possible to suppose that becoming is a dimension of, of the being and corresponds to the being's capacity to phase shift with respect to itself, to resolve itself by phase shifting. Pre-individual being is being in which no phase exists. The being in which an individuation is completed is that in which a resolution appears through the division of the being into phases, i.e. becoming. Becoming is not a framework in which the being exists. It is the being's dimension, the mode of resolution of an incompatibility that is rich in potentials. Individuation, lost the page again, just a sec. Individuation corresponds to the appearance of phases in the being that are the phases of the being. It is not an isolated consequence deposited on the edge of becoming, but this very operation as it is undergoing completion. Individuation can only be understood on the basis of this initial and homogeneous supersaturation of the being without becoming that afterwards is structured and becomes, uh, making the individual and milieu appear according to becoming, which is a resolution of the initial tensions and a conservation of these tensions of the structure. In a certain sense, it can be said that the sole principle based on which we can be guided is that of the conservation of being through becoming. This conservation exists throughout the exchanges between structure and deep end operation, proceeding by way of quantum leaps via successive equilibria. In order to think individuation, we must consider being not as a substance or matter or form, but as a tense, supersaturated system above the level of unity, as not merely consisting in itself and as unable to be thought adequately by means of the principle of the excluded middle. The concrete being or complete being, i.e. pre-individual being, is a being that is more than a unity. Unity, which is characteristic of the individuated being and identity, which authorizes the usage of the principle of the excluded middle, do not apply to pre-individual being, which explains why the world cannot be recomposed after the fact with monads, even by adding other principles like sufficient reason in order to organize these monads into a universe. Unity and identity merely apply to one of the phases of being, posterior to the operation of individuation. 
These notions cannot help us discover the principle of individuation. They do not apply to ontogenesis understood in the full sense of the term, i.e. to the becoming of the being, qua being, which splits and phase shifts while individuating. Um, so the, there's a question here about the excluded middle. Um, uh, I don't think that's in particular um, um, a reference to the wave particle um, dichotomy within quantum mechanics or complementarity. Um, but uh, yes, I think Alyosha is right that it's a reference to informal logic. So this is one of the, the principles that governs uh, classical logic um, um, as, uh, yeah, so, so a proposition uh, is, so a proposition is either true or, or not true. Um, or uh, of any individual, it's, it's either it's either uh, the individual either possesses a property or doesn't possess it. So uh, A is B or A is not B, different formulations of the same principle. Um, but um, uh, under this under this um, principle of, of classical logic, um, there there's only the the two options of, of true or not true, or possessing a property or not possessing the property. And yes, uh, as as uh, Ion pointed out, there there are alternate systems of logic in which uh, the law of excluded middle does not uh, hold. So that um, there, um, for example, in intuitionistic logic, you can't uh, infer from not not a to a. Um, so the double negation elimination doesn't hold in intuitionistic logic. So. Um, um, so that's a, a consequence of the fact that the there, law of excluded middle doesn't hold. Um, so in this passage, um, he's he's um, so more more generally he's he's talking about um, the concept of ontogenesis. Here um, he's making use of it in a, a alternate uh, meaning compared to its traditional use. So normally ontogenesis is opposed to phylogenesis. Um, so uh, phylogenesis would be the the uh, uh, development of the species uh, over history, and then ontogenesis would be the, de the development of an individual, um, uh, a member of the species. Um, but here, uh, Simon Dong wants to use the term ontogenesis to mean um, a becoming of being, uh, so in, in the sense of uh, um, uh, an entity insofar that is, uh, it has a, a becoming as part of that being. Um, um, and so this this has to do with this notion of the um, the phase shift within being. So pre-individual being um, that contains these tensions um, uh, um, undergoes the phase shift, the, this uh, splitting operation um, uh, in which the the um, individual appears uh, as a structure that corresponds to that tension. Uh, and the, the individual is a product of, um, of this individuation process, but it's not an exhaustive product. So there's always the milieu, uh, the accompanying surrounding environment, um, which is not itself individuated. Uh, so there's always something pre-individual that remains after the process of individuation. All right, uh, we can go on to the next bit if uh, someone else would like to read. Yeah, I got it. Starting at individuation. Oh no, unity, unity. Right. Uh, no, no. Right. Individuation has not been able. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Individuation has not been able to adequately thought to adequate to be adequately thought and described because only a single form of equilibrium was known, namely stable equilibrium. What was unknown was precisely metastable equilibrium. 
being was implicitly supposed in a state of stable equilibrium. However, stable equilibrium excludes becoming because it corresponds to the lowest level of potential energy possible. A stable equilibrium is achieved in a system when all possible transformations have occurred and no propulsive forces remain. All potentials have been actualized and systems that have succumbed to their lowest energetic levels cannot transform again. The ancients only knew stability and instability rest in movement, but they did not know metastability clearly and objectively. In order to define metastability, it is necessary to establish the notion of the potential energy of a system, the notion of order, and the notion of the increase of entropy. It is therefore possible to define this metastable state of being, which is quite different from the stable equilibrium and rest in which the ancients couldn't establish in their search for the principle of individuation because they lacked a clear physical paradigm that could clarify its utilization. Consequently, we will begin by attempting to present physical individuation as a case of the resolution of a metastable system on the basis of a system state, like that of supercooling or supersaturation involving the genesis of crystals. Examples of the process of crystallization have been carefully researched and can certainly serve as paradigms in other domains, but crystallization does not exhaust the reality of physical individuation. Thus, we must consider if we can interpret certain aspects of microphysics by means of this notion of the becoming of being in a metastable state, particularly the nature of the complementary of the concepts utilized in microphysics as pairs, wave corpuscle, matter, and energy. Perhaps this, is, perhaps this duality stems from the fact that scientific conceptualism supposes the existence of a real that consists of terms between which there are relations, insofar as terms are not modified by relations in their internal structure. So here he introduces this key notion of metastability, which we've, uh, we discussed, uh, I think, when we were talking about the foreword. Um, but just as a reminder, or uh, for those who weren't here, um, so metastability in opposition to uh, stability. Um, metastability is a, a, a relative equilibrium or um, a, uh, um, a, a temporary equilibrium in which potentials for further transformation still exists. So it, it's a, a system, a system is in a metastable state when it, uh, it is in equilibrium, but still maintains potentials for further transformation rather than uh, being in a, a stable equilibrium when um, it's in its lowest state of energy and no longer has any uh, potentials for further transformation. Uh, so this notion of metastability is one of the key uh, the key notions of um, of Simondon's uh, whole philosophical project, um, and it's what so as he points out here in this passage. Um, this is a, a key notion that was missing in ancient philosophy in order for, for it to um, adequately understand individuation. Um, so um, they were unable to understand ontogenesis or the, the process of individuation because they had no um, grasp of the concept of, um, of metastability. Um, and, and so this concept is borrowed from physical sciences uh, as, a, as a paradigm. Um, and then he takes the example of the um, uh, crystallization as, as this is uh, a key example, and he's going to come back to this in uh, the first chapter in more detail. Um, but um, the the example is that in a, a supersaturated solution, there's um, the, the a relative equilibrium uh, or a metastable state, uh, which then 
can undergo transformation uh, into uh, in, into a, a crystal, um, uh, and then uh, that, uh, as someone was asking in the uh, the chat there, um, if that would be a stable equi equilibrium. Um, and yeah, so that's my understanding of that the the crystal once it's formed um, it would be in a stable uh, equilibrium state. Um, so the the solution is uh, is um, metastable. Uh, and then a transformation comes about, uh, and then the crystal itself doesn't have the potential to undergo further transformation. Um, and then the last little bit in this in this paragraph is um, uh, he he mentions again this um, inability of conceptual thinking to grasp um, what is real uh, in a, the pre-individual um, in what is real. Um, so uh, the the fact that in uh, subatomic uh, or in microphysics, uh, we have to use these complementary notions like wave and particle is uh, a result of the fact that we're dealing with the pre-individual and, and so we have to use complementary concepts because an individual concept um, is not capable of grasping uh, the real. And, and so we'll see further in this introduction some of his ideas, epistemological um, uh, notions, but um, he's going to uh, Characterize the the form of uh, of thinking that that is capable of grasping the pre-individual uh, as as transductive thinking. So it's it's uh, um, it's thinking that that operates in the same way as the uh, crystallization process. Um, and we'll see a little bit more what that means later on. Uh, and then uh, the last thing that I'll mention is. Um, this notion of relations. Uh, so we, we talked about this uh, as well in the uh, when we were talking about the forward. Um, but Simon Don wants to uh, limit the term relation to um, what has been called in, in the philosophical tradition uh, internal relations. So relations that are constitutive of the being of the terms related. Um, so uh, he's opposing here the the concept of uh, uh, external relations. So these would be relations in which the terms pre-exist the relation and uh, the relation is, is external to the being of those terms. Um, so that's uh, a notion that he sees as um, uh, not capable of grasping uh, reality or, or um, in particular the, the process of individuation. Um, uh, and so we need to um, Pass to the the more concrete notion of um, internal relations, which is the one that he wants to work with. Um, and yeah, people can feel free to um, make questions, ask questions, or, or make comments uh, on the voice chat if, if they want as well, or uh, in the chat. Um, and I'll try to answer some of the questions or, or read in the, the comments and so on. Um, but yeah, so there was a, a comment or. or um, uh, uh, question or comment, I'm not sure exactly, uh, from Angus here. So the individual that has been thought in Western metaphysics is dead in a sense because it isn't thought as a partial resolution of the ongoing process. Um, yeah, I think that that uh, would be accurate. Um, so the the different notions of individuality that that have been um, prevalent in uh, in uh, the Western philosophical tradition um, that, that Simon Dong deals with are, are the the uh, atomistic one and the hylomorphic one, uh, and in each case, the the individual there, there's no um, 
there's no understanding of the process of individuation in e either of these uh, traditions or either of these uh, frameworks. Um, so the individual is a result of, of some sort of operation um, of individuation, but that individuation operation itself is not um, is not grasped yeah. in that theory. Yeah. Um, so in, in the atomistic theory, um, we have the um, the atoms are the real individuals um, or, or the ultimate individuals, um, and their individuation is not explained. It's taken as an unexplained explainer. Um, and then what is explained is the the composite bodies that are made up of atoms. Uh, their their individuation is a result of the um, the combination of atoms. And then in the hylomorphic theory, we have um, matter and form come together, uh, and then there's different variations within that uh, tradition as to which which side um, accounts for the individuation, whether it's the matter that individu individuates the form or vice versa. Um, but uh, in either case, the uh, the actual taking on of form, uh, the process through which the the form comes to be imposed on the matter, uh, is not itself explained. I think what's so interesting too <laughs> that we've talked about in other sessions is like how he he says that even this way of talking about individuation that I, I think I don't know if it's in the introduction or a bit later where he says you, you can't simply know individuation in the way that we tend to think about knowing other things that, you know, in order to talk about or even think transduction, it's it's a, it's like an operation of individuation to even think in that way. Uh, and I think that it's, it is quite complex, but it's interesting to connect to these questions of that Langus is saying about the individual in Western metaphysics and all these things, because he's, he's trying to transcend all these problems of formal logic and terms and, and how the terms themselves are the byproducts of this individuation of knowledge but it's as, as though we're starting at the end of it rather than thinking through the genesis of it uh in that in, intuitive and i guess like sort of scientific way but yeah. um yeah it's it's really i really i'll paste some quotes in the chat but i really really like these sections early on when he's talking about the transductive operation of knowledge it's kind of part and parcel with this whole project yeah, I think that's a little bit later in the introduction, um, but the yeah. So he says um, uh, knowledge of transduction is uh, it comes about through a, a, a transduction in knowledge. So the, there's a process of individuation within our knowledge, which is how we come to know um, a process of individuation uh, in in things. Um, so there's a um, uh, um, an analogy between uh, the the transductive process in things and then the transductive process in our knowledge. Right, and there's a comment here from uh, Mitya. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but um, uh, yes, so crystals form into a set pattern depending on what they're made of, but they can continue to grow with their boundaries as long as material is available to settle on it. Um, yes, so that, again, we'll see more on the crystallization example in the first chapter. Um, uh, after we get through the introduction, um, but um, yeah, so he, he talks about the way that um, the structure of the crystal depends on the uh, the chemical composition of the solution uh, that's, that's crystallizing, um, um, and uh, there are certain chemicals that can crystallize in, in different forms, and so that's uh, it will depend on which uh, which form crystallizes first, for example. Um, 
and uh, um, yeah, so at the boundaries, uh, the, the, the crystal is still um, undergoing a process of individuation, but within the crystal itself, it's, uh, it's dead in the sense that it's, uh, it's already undergone its transformation and it, it no longer has potentials for more transformation. So um, this, this quote uh, we just heard, um, it doesn't remind me of uh, dissipative structures, uh, something that Ilya Prigozhin was talking about. Um, is it is this the same thing when Simonon is talking about this process of crystallization and uh, some sort of a self-organizing structure that takes out um, energy from its surroundings to uphold its own um, structure, so to speak, and expand in this way with a um, so, um, yeah, so to say, a, a neck entropic principle? Yeah. Um uh, it's been a while since I looked at uh, Prigozhin and, and the dissipative structure stuff, um, but my understanding is that it's a little bit different uh, in the sense that dissipative structures are um, structures that uh, they're, uh, they're, it's a process um, structure. So you have like a, a, a chemical uh, reaction that feeds back into itself uh, uh, or that uh, catalyzes itself. Um, and uh, and so as long as you have an open system with a, a, a input of energy or, or input of, of more chemicals, it, it's a, a sort of a circular process that can continue forever. Um, whereas here, the crystal is um, a, a structure that arises out of the um, initial state, but it's not a it's not itself a process. Um, and so it, the the interior of the crystal is anterior, as uh, as Angus pointed out that that. Um, um, Simon Dome um, uh, is ultimately going to derive the, the concept of time from that process of individuation. Um, um, and uh, so the, the interior of the crystal is, uh, is a, a product and rather than something that is part of a process. Um, uh, and it's only at the edge of the crystal, at, at the, the limits, um, that it's still continuing the process of individuation. Um, so I think, I think it's different in, in that sense, uh, a process versus a product. And yes, uh, so uh, as uh, Alyosha uh, put it in the chat, the, the potentials remain latent at the limits. Um, yeah, so the, there's there's um, an ongoing process of individuation at the the limits of the of the crystal, um, and he's going to talk about um, the concept of modulation um, uh, and uh, um, the way that there's a, a modulation of energy at the limit of the crystal. Uh, we'll see that a little bit later on. Uh, and, and yes, so this is specifically talking about the physical individuation process, and uh, we won't get to the vital individuation, um, the, the individuation of a living being in, until um, chapter two, I, I believe, but it's a, a little ways off. Yet we can also suppose that reality is initially in itself similar to the supersaturated solution, and even more so in the pre-individual regime, more than unity and more than identity, and that it is capable of manifesting as wave or corpuscle, matter or energy, because every operation and every relation within an operation is an individuation that splits and phase shifts pre-individual being, all while correlating the extreme values and orders of magnitude, which are initially without mediation. Complementarity would then be the epistemological reverberation of the initial and original metastability of the real. Because they are theories of identity, neither mechanism nor energeticism fully account for reality. In addition to the theory of corpuscles, the theory of fields and the theory of the interaction between fields and corpuscles are still partially dualistic, but lean toward a theory of the pre-individual. 
By way of another path, the theory of quanta grasps this regime of the pre-individual that surpasses unity. An exchange of energy occurs through elementary quantities, as if there were an individuation of energy in the relation between particles, whereby particles can somewhat be considered as physical individuals. Perhaps it would be in this sense that we could see the convergence of these two new theories, that of quanta and that of wave mechanics, which it, to this very day have remained impenetrable to one another. They could be envisioned as two ways of expressing the pre-individual through the different manifestations in which it intervenes as pre-individual. Below the continuous and the discontinuous, there is the quantic and the metastable complementarity, sorry, metastable complementary, the more than unity, which is the true pre-individual. The necessity of correcting and pairing basic concepts in physics perhaps translates the fact that concepts are adequate only to individuated reality and not to pre-individual reality. So here, this is, this is the point that um, we, we discussed uh, a little in the previous paragraph, um, um, the, this notion that um, uh, the necessity for using complementary concepts is a result of the inadequacy of concepts to grasp the pre-individual. Um, so it, when we get to the microphysical realm, when we're dealing with the microphysical realm, um, uh, and we, we sort of come in contact with the pre-individual, um, then we need to use these, uh, if, if we try to think in concepts uh, in this uh, particular sense in which Simon Dolan using the term concept, um, then we, we end up having to use paired concepts that are, that are complementary to each other. Um, and uh, so he's going to uh, suggest that transductive thinking is, is capable of uh, knowing the pre-individual in, in the way that conceptual thinking is not. I do like this statement at the end here when he says, um, below the continuous and the discontinuous, there is the quantic and metastable complementary, more than unity, which is the true pre-individual, um, which, which, I mean, it just feels like another way of restating the what he's been saying all along about the, the problems with, you know, the, the, like law the excluded middle type approach to already individuated concepts or individuals, that there's something that what's the pre-individual isn't simply you don't want to you don't want to fall into another way of talking about it as though it's a monad that it it has to be it's like a, I think he calls it somewhere a transductive unity or something rather than just a unity and um, that it itself is composed of like heterogeneous dimensions of of being or of becoming I guess you might say um, that predate you know if it, if it predates or is anterior to phases then yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I don't have a coherent point here. I just I, I like the where he's going with that. Yeah, you uh, you called back to the uh, another portion that we uh, we didn't really comment on, um, which is that uh, that that um, uh, when he um, mentions the monads and and trying to um, reconstitute the world with monads um, um, and the way that. Uh, even when you add something like the principle of sufficient reason, which is supposed to link the monads into a world, um, they're still, um, it, it's still, um, they still remain isolated from each other. Um, and so that, that is uh, sort of a paradigmatic for, for Simondon of the, the, process, of the, the attempts uh, within, within philosophy to try to reconstitute um, uh, or recapture what, um, what is lost when you start from the individual. Um, uh, already individuated. Um, so if you start from these already individuated individuals, then um, their integration or, or connection to each other it becomes uh, impossible to to understand um, 
rather than when you start from the pre-individual, which which undergoes the process of individuation, uh, then the um, the integration in, of uh, an individual and its milieu um, sort of follows naturally. Um, we would then understand the paradigmatic value of the study of the genesis of crystals as a process of individuation. This would allow us to grasp on the macrophysical scale a phenomenon that depends on system states which belong to the microphysical domain and which are molecular, not molar. We would grasp activity that is at the limit of the crystal and its formation. Such an individuation is not the encounter of a preliminary form and a preliminary matter existing as previously constituted separate terms, but a resolution emerging within a metastable system rich in potentials. Form, matter, and energy pre-exist in the system. Neither form nor matter is sufficient. The veritable principle of individuation is mediation, which generally supposes an original duality of orders of magnitude and an initial absence of interactive communication between them and then a communication between orders of magnitude and stabilization. While a potential energy, the condition of a superior order of magnitude, is actualized, a matter is organized and divided, the condition of an inferior order of magnitude, into structured individuals on an intermediate order of magnitude that develops through an intermediate process of amplification. What leads to and founds crystallization what leads to and founds crystallization, it is the energetic regime of a metastable system. But the crystal's form expresses certain molecular or atomic characteristics of the constituting chemical species. Right. Um, before we uh, sort of discuss this, this passage, maybe there's one point of translation that I, I would mention um, um, is... Um, so in that middle paragraph, the, the second one that we just read, um, so there's a series of reflexive verbs here, which he translates as um, um, as passives in English. Um, so we can instead read it, um, uh, we could instead translate them as reflexive in English. So we could say, um, at the same time as a potential energy condition of uh, an or a superior order of magnitude actualizes itself, uh, rather than is actualized. So actualizes itself, a matter uh, organizes itself and uh, distributes itself um, uh, uh, condition of a, a inferior order of magnitude into structured individuals at a, a intermediate order of magnitude uh, and developing itself um, through a, a, a mediate process of amplification. Uh, so that's an alternate possibility of translation. I think we can, we can sort of read both um, uh, both translations into um, into the text. Uh, it, it's a um, uh, there's a, a self actualization, self structuring um, process uh, going on at the same time. Can I ask a question about this sentence here? The when he's saying the potential energy, the condition of a superior order of magnitude. So this is the first time I'm coming across him phrasing it this way. Usually, so far it seems like potentials. He's talked about them as sort of just um, part of the metastable system state or whatever of, of being being in excess of itself more than a unity uh, in pre-individual dephased or pre-dephasing, I guess, like pre-phased being or whatever. But here, this idea of potential energy is specifically the condition of a superior order of magnitude. And then what is organized and divided is the inferior one. So if we were thinking of the example of the plant or really anything else, is it that um, 
you know, because when he talked about the atomism and stuff like that, I, I think in the uh, was it Gary, uh, Gary or whoever the um, wrote the foreword was talking about how in the is it the atomistic or the substantialist account? There's this idea like the, how do you explain um, certain kinds of change? It's like well, when there's a greater force, it basically somehow displaces this other thing and changes the state of the atoms, which obviously is insufficient in Simondon's account. But I guess my question is: is this is that a way of like retooling it in a sense of it, it does it does it fit with the idea of states of tension in that the superior order of magnitude reconciling with the tensions between itself and, and the lower order of magnitude through the immediate process of that individuation it, 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 i'm imagining almost like tectonic plates forming mountains or something like that is that the right direction is that where he's going with that Um, I think the, the tectonic plates example is a little bit misleading in the sense that the, the plates already pre-exist the formation of the mountains. Um, so they're, they're, the plates are already individuated um, and, uh, and then the, the mountain is formed through the, the, uh, the process of, of the plates uh, interacting with each other. Um, so the, as I understand this this bit uh, or this um, this notion here that he's he's expressing um, is that uh, the, the so in the crystallization example you have a, a supersaturated solution um, the potential energy is um, is a a property of the system as a whole um, it's not um, it's not localized in, in any sense um, it's uh, it's a property of the whole uh, solution uh, the whole system. Um, and then um, what so and, and it's the the, uh, the properties of the whole system, the potential energy uh, distributed across the whole system that uh, that is going to um, uh, um, lead, as he puts it, or, or, or uh, underlie the, the process of individuation. Um, um, but the, what is going to um, uh, um, what is going to um, generate the the structure is the the smaller smaller order or the inferior order of magnitude the uh, the atomic structure uh, or molecular structure of the chemical in the solution. So there's um, the the interaction between this inferior order of magnitude, the atomic and molecular level, um, and then the superior order of magnitude, which is the the property of the system as a whole. Um, and they interact to perform to form um, this individual at the at the uh, immediate um, order of magnitude or immediate scale uh, the the crystal um, you know on the order of uh, centimeters or or um, or, or uh, yeah in, in that range of, of uh, size um, so that's that's how I understand this example um, so the, the the formation of the individual is a kind of mediation between the, the properties of the system as a whole and the, uh, the um, atomic and molecular properties of the, the chemicals that make up the, the solution. Thank you. That, that's helpful. Uh, I think you're right that my example was kind of almost falling into the hylomorphic trap. Um, in my head, I still kind of thought, I think you could probably reconcile it with the idea of milieu and like the earth itself and, you know, larger metastable systems. But I think you, it makes sense what you said that the superior order is the metastable system itself and the inferior order in a sense is these individuals that are produced but aren't the complete result of the individuation process. So thanks.
And uh, so this notion of orders of magnitude is, is an important one as well. Um, and there's that example that we saw in, uh, I think it was cited in the foreword, but we'll see it uh, later on in, through the, um, in the introduction, but um, the, the example of the plants as um, the immediate order of magnitude, which integrates the, the cosmic order of magnitude by absorbing uh, solar energy uh, with the um, uh, microphysical level order of magnitude um, um, in, the, uh, in the cellular processes that, that it uh, undergoes. So there's um, um, any type of individuation is a mediation between um, a, a superior and an inferior um, um, order of magnitude. Uh, so a, a, a greater system and a, a, a smaller system uh, in integrating the two uh, or mediating the, the uh, disjunction between the two. Yeah, I think, uh, Alyosha, I think you're right that we could try to take the, the whole Earth's crust as a metastable system and, um, and look at the way that, um, that structures emerge out of uh, the, the Earth's crust. Um, so there would be interactions between the um, uh, potential energy of the system as a whole, of the, the Earth's crust as a whole, or, or whole you know, uh, continental plates or something like that. Um, and then the uh, chemical structure of uh, the various um, uh, uh, materials that make up the Earth's crust and the way that they're, they're, those, um, those processes uh, would interact with each other and, and produce at a immediate level um, uh, some sort of uh, like geological formations would be the, the individuals that are formed out of the interaction of, of those two uh, orders of magnitude. Okay, so I think we can go on to the next uh, paragraph if someone else would like to read. Uh, in the domain of the living, the notion of metastability can also be used to characterize individuation, but individuation no longer occurs in a strictly instantaneous, quantum, abrupt, and definitive way, as in the physical domain, which leaves in its wake a duality of the milieu and the individual, insofar as the milieu has been robbed of the individual, because the former and the latter no longer coincide, and insofar as the individual has lost the dimension of the milieu. Such an individuation also undoubtedly exists for the living being as an absolute origin, but it is doubled by an ongoing individuation, which is life itself, according to the fundamental mode of becoming. The living being conserves within itself an ongoing activity of individuation. It is not merely a result of individuation, like the crystal or molecule, but a theater of individuation. Furthermore, unlike that of the physical individual, the whole activity of the living being is not concentrated at its limit. In the living being, there is a more complex, a more complete, rather, regime of internal resonance that requires ongoing communication and that maintains a metastability, which is a condition of life. This is not the only characteristic of the living being, and the living being cannot be compared to an automaton that would maintain a certain number of equilibria or would seek compatibilities among several requirements based on a formula of a complex equilibrium composed of simpler equilibria. The living being is also a being that results from an initial individuation and amplifies this individuation, which is something that is not done by the technical object to which cybernetic mechanism would want to functionally compare it. In the living being, there is an individuation by the individual and not merely an operation resulting from an individuation completed in a single stroke, as though it were a fabrication. The living being resolves problems, not just by adapting, i.e. by modifying its relation to the milieu, like a machine is capable of doing, but by modifying itself, by inventing new internal structures, 
and by completely introducing itself into the axiomatic of vital problems. The living individual is a system of individuation, an individuating system, and a system that is in the midst of, on, of undergoing the process of individuating. Internal resonance and the translation of self-relation into information takes place in this system of the living being. In the physical domain, internal resonance characterizes the limit of the individual in the midst of undergoing the process of individuating. In the living domain, internal resonance becomes the criterion of the whole individual qua individual. There is internal resonance in the system of the individual and not merely in what the individual forms with its milieu. Unlike that of the crystal, the organism's internal structure does not, does not merely result from the activity that, that is accomplished and from the modulation that takes place at the limit between the domain of interiority and the domain of exteriority. Perpetually centered outside itself, perpetually peripheral relative to itself, and active at the limit of its domain, the physical individual has no veritable interiority. On the contrary, the living individual has a veritable interiority because individuation takes place from within. Inside the living individual, the interior is also constitutive, whereas in the physical individual, only the limit is constitutive, and what is topologically interior is genetically anterior. The living individual is contemporaneous with itself in all its elements, which is not the case for the physical individual, for the latter includes a past that has radically passed, even when it is, when it is still in the process of growing. At the interior of itself, the living being is a mode of informative communication. It is a system within a system involving within itself a mediation between two orders of magnitude. Uh, one one uh, thing I would uh, just to say uh, to the last sentence, uh, he, he wrote uh, not mode of information, uh, informative communication, but node. Uh, no, in, so in French it's no. Um, it could be a nod of information. Uh, that would be another translation. Um, so yeah, there was a question in the chat about um, the notion of homeostasis that is uh, being uh, discussed here. Uh, so this is a reference to um, uh, the cybernetic uh, theory of, of uh, I think it's William Ashby, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure about his first name, but um, uh, Ashby, um, he developed these um, machines that were capable of uh, maintaining themselves in a certain state. Um, I mean, the, the simplest, um, the simplest uh, uh, example would be a, a, therm a thermostat connected to a furnace. Um, so the, the, you set the thermostat at a certain temperature. If the temperature goes below that, then the furnace turns on, which increases the temperature back to the, the set state. Um, and, uh, and so the, the system as a whole, the, the thermostat furnace system, is capable of maintaining a certain, um, uh, a certain state. Uh, and then, um, uh, so Ashby developed other um, machines that were capable of, of doing the this, this same type of thing, which he called homeostats. Um, and uh, um, uh, so, and so the idea, and, and his were more complex than just the, the thermostat furnace system, but um, uh, the idea in general was to try to model life as a, a process of maintaining a certain uh, equilibrium state. And Simon Do is going to, is criticizing that notion of, of life or of, uh, of the living. Um, and so he argues that um, that, that notion um, depicts living beings as um, as being individuated sort of once and for all um, they in the same way that physical individuals are um, 
whereas for him, the living being uh, is constantly undergoing a process of individuation, um, uh, and, and it uh, it individuates itself. Um, so here again, we have one of these reflexive verbs that um, that is translated just as a as a passive, um, but um, so it, that that um, a line that's emphasized here. Um, uh, he says. The living individual is a system of individuation, an individuating system, and a system individuating itself. That would be uh, the alternate translation. Um, so the the living individual not only undergoes individuation; it's not it's not just a product of individuation. Uh, it's it's also uh, the agent of individuation. It's uh, it individuates itself. Um, and uh, we'll see more on what that means in particular, but it has to do with. Um, uh, resolution of, of problems. Um, uh, so uh, uh, living beings are, are able to um, uh, problem solve both in their in their structure and in their behavior. They they um, solve problems. Um, uh, and uh, um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh yes, the, there was a the question about the notion of quantum. Um, I think I think um, yes. I think he is using it here um, in this paragraph to mean uh, um, discrete, um, uh, so um, as opposed to continuous. Um, um, so yeah, it's right towards the beginning of the of the paragraph that we just read. Um, so individuation no longer um, occurs uh, as in the physical domain. Uh, in a, uh, a strictly um, instantaneous, uh, it actually says quantic, not quantum in French, but it, it's not a big uh, a big deal. Um, quantic, um, um, abrupt, and definitive way. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I think he, it's just a synonym for discrete in that context. Um, can I just ask with the example of the homeostat? So is it that um, with a machine like that that it is essentially Although it appears to be adaptive, um, it's like you're saying it, it's not going through the continually like iterative adaptive um, individuation happening within the living being because it's still essentially assuming we're, we're excluding I guess like AI and stuff here, which I don't know how you address that within Simone, but like you know deep mind type stuff. But within just like a sim more simple machine like this, it's it's that is it that um, it it it's always kind of. Um, you know, it's like a Rube Goldberg machine or something that's set into motion and then it performs these tasks, but it's still kind of, the structuration kind of happens insofar as how it's built, I guess, or how it's initially built. And it doesn't then change its structuration so much as it might break down or, or, or something like that. Does that track? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so the, the machine, the homeostat, no matter how complex it is, it's something that's fabricated at a certain point with certain um, possibilities of action. Uh, so it, it's capable of um, maintaining a certain state of whether it's temperature or uh, orientation towards light or, or whatever um, uh, it's set up to do. It will maintain a, a, an equilibrium state um, with respect to that property of the environment. Um, but uh, it's not capable of, say, um, changing its structure to uh, to uh, orient itself away from light uh, rather than towards light or something like that. Um, so it, it's it's adaptive in the sense that it can respond to certain properties of the environment to maintain a certain state, but it's not capable of 
uh, adapting its own structure. Um, and, and yeah, so it, it would be an interesting question. Um, it's something that we discussed a little bit, I think, when we were reading the technology book, um, um, how artificial intelligence fits into um, Simon Don's thought. And, and uh, uh, he, in that book, he, he um, I mean, of course, he's writing in the 60s, so it's a, a completely different context in terms of uh, computation. Um, but he uh, he dismisses the idea of uh, thinking machines. Um, he he, um, he argues that um, thinking in the proper sense, um, it can only be carried out by a living being. Um, and uh, um, that whatever calculations that uh, computers can do um, will never, uh, will never um, have that same property of uh, being able to carry out an individuation process uh, that is essentially um, part of uh, what it is to be a living being. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I think the, the boundary between um, uh, between uh, living and um, uh, living beings and, and technical objects is probably less clear than now than it was uh, when Simon was writing in the, in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, so the, the, the notion of uh, the quantum, or when he when he uses the word uh, he uses the word quantic in French, um, uh, quantic, um, um, but um, I, I I think he's uh, he's using it as a synonym for discrete because uh, because precisely of, of that property that you uh, quoted there, Alyosha, the um, the fact that um, the energy states. Um, of, uh, of an electron uh, in an atom uh, can only take on certain discrete values. Um, they they can't um, uh, they can't uh, um, take on continuous uh, values across. Um, or, sorry, they can't take on values across a continuum. Uh, there is only discrete states that they can take on. Um, um, and so, uh, in the same way, he's talking about. Um, the process of, of physical individuation is something. It's a it's a all or nothing uh, instantaneous operation. Um, so the there's a um, uh, his example uh, that he, we're going to get to in the first chapter is the brick. Uh, the brick is formed once, um, uh, and, and then after that, the, the individual brick um, it, uh, it it can only degrade. It, in, uh, it individuation can only degrade. And it can uh, wear away or something like that. Um, Whereas in living beings, the individuation process is ongoing uh, throughout the individual's life. Um, so it's it's not um, there is so he says there, there is a certain aspect um, uh, to uh, there is a certain um, absolute individuation uh, to um, to an individual uh, living individual. Um, there's a certain uh, discreteness to it, to to that individual, um, <clears throat> but. Uh, what it is to be a living individual is to um, maintain that constant process of individuation throughout uh, a lifespan, um, which uh, which is um, uh, and so that's that's the sense in which uh, the living individual is um, always contemporary with itself, uh, as opposed to the the physical individuation process like the crystal, um, which has uh, the the interior. Uh, as he puts it, the, the topologically interior is uh, genetically anterior. Um, so the the already crystallized um, portion of the crystal is uh, is uh, already um, it, it's it's uh, a product of a process of individuation, um, which is not itself undergoing individuation anymore. Um, 
uh, and so it's uh, it's radically passed in in that sense. Um, whereas the the living individual um, is contemporary with itself because it's always undergoing the process of individuation. Incidentally, if no one's seen, uh, I was curious about the supersaturated liquid example because I, I didn't really know it before Simone and I was watching videos the other day and uh, not only like you can introduce something into the liquid and obviously that initiate that initiates the crystallization, but you can also um, if you do it right, you can just like you can have a water bottle filled with supersaturated uh, super cooled liquid and if you just shake it, the crystallization will take place and so you know, it's just a nice, another like uh, nice visual kind of way of. Uh, sorry, it's a metaphor and a way of visualizing it uh, with the water bottle because it's not quite as exact as what he's saying. But if you look at it, it's really it is instantaneous. Like the, you shake it and it happens almost all at once, uh, which is really interesting to me. It fits with what he's saying. But I just wanted to mention that. It, uh, I think, it, um, I mean, I, I have uh, fairly limited knowledge about uh, crystals, but um, uh, as far as I understand, it also depends on the, some of the, the parameters of the whole system, like uh, what, what chemicals and, and what temperature uh, and pressure and so on um, um, that the whole system is at, uh, because some processes of crystallization will be um, more gradual as well, um, but it's still... Um, so the, the crystallization of the whole uh, um, uh, system takes time, but each uh, each sort of layer of that crystallization process or, or the, the crystallization that's happening at the limit is instantaneous. It goes from uh, a, a liquid state to a, crystal, a crystallized state um, um, uh, instantaneously, and then uh, the the previously um, the previously crystallized portion of the, the system is no longer capable of transformation. Yeah, the, the notion of the seed um, is, a, is a, a bit of a difficult point, I think, in, uh, in, Simon Don, uh, in Simon Don's theory, um, because we, um, we saw this in the form information potentials discussion, so, um, you where see he, he, um, so he, he doesn't in, in in his theory, we can't sort of um, just allow for the the seed of the crystallization process to come from outside, because then the seed is already an individual, which is the um, the pro which is uh, the source of the of the individuation process, and then we have the same problem as on, as on the uh, atomistic or hylomorphic theories. Um, um, but uh, then he also the the sort of alternative hypothesis is that there's um, uh, some sort of uh, randomness to to the process, um, or uh, there's a, a role of chance to uh, to the formation of the the crystals in the solution. And he so he he mentions that hypothesis, but then he he says something like it's hard to admit that, uh, or it's hard to accept that that chance would play that role. Or, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but um, he he seemed hesitant to. Um, to grant uh, chance or or um, or uh, probability this this sort of determining role of setting off the process of individuation, um, so I think that that seed, uh, the notion of the seed or the the uh, initial formation of the the process of individuation is a a bit of a difficult point on on his theory that he doesn't have a, a good account for or that he um, he. Uh, tries to uh, 
he, he doesn't like the idea that it's a purely a chance operation um, um, or that there's the, the role of chance in that operation. And two points that really stand out to me are um, that he's um, emphasizing this this um, difference between physical individuation and or the physical individual and the living individual that has not a radically past uh, past so to speak. So it has this this notion of uh, uh, duration from uh, or better of memory in Bergson, and uh, this this uh, on the second. Um, The, the second point uh, that is interesting for me is that he's uh, in the last sentence of this paragraph saying it is a system within a system involving within itself a mediation between two orders of magnitude. So we have this uh, constant um, intensity, so to speak, between two different levels and uh, um, this this transformation or, uh, or this, this yeah, as he calls it, mediation between two levels of, of information. And by that we not only have... Um, Uh, homeostatic system in the sense that it is reflective so it it, it relates uh, some um, criteria or some parameter uh, back to the state of its system but it is in some sort of sense pre-reflexive uh, but in a uh, more um, uh, n not in a pure logical sense but also on a uh, on a physical level almost because it it is always relating back to its own structure and restructuring this um, structure on another level. So we have this uh, not reflective, but a reflexive motion. Yeah, um, and that's, that's something that I, I've pointed out a couple of times, these reflexive verbs that, um, so in, in, in French you can use reflexive verbs uh, where in English we would just use a, a passive or, or, some, or an intransitive verb. Um, um, but I think in some, in some cases it, uh, it would be worth translating them as a reflexive just precisely to, um, to uh, convey the, the reflexivity of the process. So um, it's a system individua individuating itself, um, it's just a system undergoing a process of individuation. Um, a, a, living, a living being uh, is itself uh, the agent of its individuation rather than, than just a product of individuation. Oh, and uh, I'll just also note in, in passing that um, footnote nine there is the one that has the example of the, the plant uh, integrating the uh, cosmic order of, of magnitude uh, in solar energy and the, uh, the um, molecular level uh, or order of magnitude um, within the cell. Um, so that's, that's uh, I think, a really nice example of what he means by the mediating role of the individual. Um, um, But yeah, I don't like the way in this in the translation the um, the the footnotes are 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 changed into endnotes, which makes it harder to uh, harder to check them. I think, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. It's just yeah. my preference. Uh, yeah, I really prefer uh, footnotes in the text as well because then you don't have this back and forth and you don't get as much interrupted. Yeah, they also uh, changed the numbering of the footnotes for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, like footnote nine in the English is footnote five in French. Um, I'm not sure why there's four more Maybe footnotes. Maybe there are some notes by the translator, and they use um, the same system uh, of just numbers for it. Sometimes uh, in, in other editions, it's just a star, and then uh, on the end of the page. But I didn't see this in this edition yet. 
Yeah, that would be my guess. Is that it's probably translators' footnotes as well. But um, I haven't taken a look at that at the the or translators' endnotes. I guess they would. Be, um, I haven't looked at the endnotes yet. Um, but um, yeah, I guess we can go on to the next paragraph. Um, maybe I'll read this one. Indeed, a hypothesis can be made that is analogous to the hypothesis of quanta in physics and also to the hypothesis of the relativity of levels of potential energy. It can be supposed that the individuation, sorry, that individuation does not fully exhaust pre-individual reality and that a regime of metastability is not merely sustained by the individual but carried by it, such that the constituted individual transports along with it a certain associated charge of pre-individual reality that is animated by all the potentials which characterize it. An individual is sorry. An individuation is relative, like a structural change in a physical system. A certain level of potential remains, and further individuations are still possible. This pre-individual nature, which remains associated with the individual, is a source of future metastable states, from whence new individuations will be able to emerge. According to this hypothesis, it would be possible to consider every veritable relation as having the status of being and as developing from within a new individuation relation which does not spring forth between two terms that would already be individuals. Relation is an aspect of the internal resonance of a system of individuation. It belongs to a system state. This living being, which is both more and less than unity, conveys an interior problematic and can enter as an element into a problematic that is vaster than its own being. For the individual, participation is the fact of being an element in a vaster individuation through the intermediary of the charge of pre-individual reality that the individual contains i.e. due to the potentials that it harbors. Uh, yeah, so Alyosha posted in the chat the uh, the passage from um, the form information potentials uh, discussion section that we saw a couple weeks ago where, where Simon Dong um, um, sort of brings up this notion of chance but then uh, sort of rejects it at the same time. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so that would be something worth uh, digging into more if someone's looking for a, a, a paper topic or something like that. That would be an interesting one to uh, to look at. Oh yes, definitely. But um, somehow I get here some um, anti-Oedipus uh, vibes uh, in relation to uh, the body without organs. Is it just me, or uh, I just have this vague feeling now? Um, but but still the the uh, the BWO is uh, still a bit of a puzzling concept. But for me it sounds a little bit like uh, there is this this uh, unstructured uh, or better pre-individual uh, imminent plane um, that is then partially formed by desiring machines and. Uh, they are uh, still struggling uh, in this intermediary process. I think you're spot on. I mean, having read this, it, it makes, I feel like what the DNG were doing with, or what Deleuze is doing specifically with the body without organs is a straight adaptation of the of these concepts. And it actually helps um, in the Muriel Combs I was reading earlier. She talks about, um, if you think about the concept of phase shifting that we will get to, but that Simonin uses a lot, one of the important things is that like that concept sounds chronological you know so you think of well what does it mean to be prior to phasing and what happens once things start to phase shift but she brings up the example of um you know the way it's discussed in thermodynamics and in, in other kinds of scientific discussions where phases are literally like the states of so liquid is a phase gas is a phase so and and how whenever a process of transduction is happening there's always two subsystems 
that are being brought to bear upon each other and not necessarily canceling each other out, but now, you know, producing this whole individuating process, I guess. And so when you think about it that way, it really fits with the way Deleuze, uh, D&G talk about when you think when they're, whenever they talk about, you know, um, you know, the, the, the schizo going around the circle, you know, they, they talk about going through the intensities and it, it's very, when you read it uh, on its own, it's very hard to understand what is this traversing the egg? Like, what are they talking about? Like, how does this, what does this even mean? But I think it makes so much more sense when you put it in the light of this, of this idea of like a transductive unity that is producing, you know, the, I think the language they use in anti-Oedipus is the, the subject is the part, the, the, what's the word, the separate piece or the, the, there's a word that they use that means it's, it's one P the subject is the sort of produced results on the side but that doesn't, the BWO is still always there. And, you know, the, the cycling through the intensities never stops necessarily. And yeah, I think you're, you're right that it's a direct influence on that. Separate part, that's the word I think they use, the, the subject, the separate part. All right, um, I think we can go on to the next one. That's a bit of a long paragraph, but uh, someone else would like to read it. Um. It then becomes possible to think the relation interior and exterior to the individual as participation without invoking new substances. The psyche and the collective are constituted by individuations that come after vital individuation. Uh, sorry. Uh, this, um, the psyche continues vital individuation in a being that, in order to resolve its own problematic, is itself forced to intervene as an element of the problem through its action as subject. The subject can be conceived as the unity of the being qua individuated living being and qua being that is the representative of its action through the world as an element and dimension of the world. Vital problems are not self-enclosed. Their open op axiomatic can only be saturated by an indefinite sequence of successive individuations that always engage more pre-individual reality and incorporate it, uh, incorporated in the relation to the milieu. Affectivity and perception are integrated in emotion and in science, both of which suppose a recourse to new dimensions. However, the psychical being cannot resolve its own problematic in itself. Its charge of pre-individual reality, at the same time as it is individuating as a psychical being that surpasses the limits of the individuated being and incorporates the living being in a system of the world and the subject, makes participation possible as a condition of the individuation of the collective. Insofar as it is collective, individuation turns the individual into a group individual that is associated with the group through the pre-individual reality that the individual bears, a pre-individual reality that, paired with the pre-individual reality of other individuals, individuates into a collective unit. Collective and psychical individuations are both reciprocal with respect to one another. They make it possible to define a category of the trans-individual which attempts to account for the systematic unity of interior psychical individuation and exterior collective individuation. The psychosocial world of the trans individual is neither the brute social order nor the inter-individual. It supposes a veritable operation of individuation on the basis of a pre-individual reality that is associated with individuals and is able to constitute a new problematic which has its own metastability. It expresses a quantum condition that is correlative with a plurality of orders of magnitude. The living being is presented as a problematic being, both superior and inferior to unity. To call the living being problematic 
is to consider becoming as a dimension of the living being. The living being exists according to becoming, which operates a mediation. The living being is an agent and theater of individuation. Its becoming is an ongoing individuation, or rather a sequence of the manifestation of individuation, advancing from metastability to metastability. Thus the individual is neither substance nor a simple part of the collective. The collective intervenes as a resolution of the individual problematic, and this means that the basis of collective reality is already partially contained within the individual as the pre-individual reality that remains associated with the individuated reality. What is generally considered as relation due to the improper hypothesis of the substantialization of individual reality is in fact a dimension of individuation through which the individual becomes. Relation to the world and to the collective is a dimension of individuation in which the individual participates based on pre-individual reality which progressively individuates. So this bit is a sort of a preview of the second part of the book, which again we won't get to for uh, weeks or, or months. The, uh, the the portion on psychic uh, individuation um, and and then collective individuation. Um, but um, some of the notions that that we can um, uh, sort of look at uh, already. Um, this notion of a, a dimension. Um, uh, so it's a little bit obscure in this portion, but um, it becomes um, clearer, um, I believe, later in the introduction, where he um, he introduces the example of um, um, binocular vision, uh, and so you have a, a disparation between the two images. Um, the each eye um, receives a, a slightly different retinal image. Um, but the the uh, individuation process um, um, uh, incorporates those two uh, retinal images. It doesn't it doesn't just um, sort of preserve what is common. It's not a process of abstraction that that only preserves what's common to the two uh, images. But it um, it uh, it incorporates the the disparation between the images, and in doing so, it. Um, provides for depth vision, so it, it introduces a, a new dimension uh, into the the, uh, the system, um, and that's he takes this example as a sort of paradigm for uh, other processes of individuation. Um, so there, there's this uh, mediating role that introduces a new dimension um, into the the, the system, uh, and and yes, so Alyosha has mentioned in the chat here. This is connected to his criticism of induction. Um, so in, in inductive thinking, you always lose uh, content the, the, the more uh, you abstract from the individual uh, or from the, the, the given um, reality. Uh, so you, you, um, you take the two retinal images and then you would abstract from their differences and preserve only what's common, but then you lose all, all of the, the content that is uh, particular to one image um, as opposed to another. Um, and the transductive thinking is supposed to um, um, not lose the the content in the same way, but to incorporate that content into uh, the the mediation uh, that results from the, the the creation of this new dimension. And this and so this new dimension is a is a resolution of a problem. Um, uh, so that that's where this notion of problematic uh, comes up here uh, in this paragraph. So there's a the problem the problematic. Um, that is the the disparation of the retinal images, and then there's a resolution of that problem through the 
the creation of a new dimension um, through uh, the depth perception. Yeah, and, uh, and so um, with that last comment there, Alyosha, there, the, this um, this uh, calls to mind as well um, from the uh, technical object uh, uh, on the mode of existence of technical objects book. Um, he he criticizes the the use of um, or the the classificatory approach towards um, towards understanding te understanding technical objects. So classifying them into genus and species. Um, because he thinks that so he gives examples like um, if you classify objects as as clocks, for example, then you you'll have mechanical clocks and electric clocks um, classified in the same family, um, even though they uh, their their fundamental principles of operation are completely different, and a, a mechanical clock is closer to a crossbow than it is to an electric clock in terms of the. Uh, um, in terms of the uh, actual functioning of the the object itself, um, so he the, the this criticism of induction and the criticism of this classification into genus and species are are, are coordinate concepts, um, and so uh, he um, yeah so it's it's yeah like the the Borges story with the uh, the the weird um, the the supposed Chinese encyclopedia with the the the, the categorization of, uh, of different objects. Um, so we can go on to uh, the next uh, paragraph, which is also a long one, um, if someone else would like to read. Thus, psychology and the theory of the collective are tied together. Ontogenesis is that which indicates what participation in the collective is, as well as what the physical operation conceived as the resolution of a problematic is. The individuation that is life is conceived as the discovery in a conflictual situation of a new axiomatic that incorporates and unifies all the elements of the situation into a system that contains the individual. In order to understand what the physical activity at the heart of the theory of individuation as a resolution of the conflictual nature of the metastable state is, the veritable ways in which metastable systems become established in life must be discovered. In this sense, both the notion of the individual's adaptive relation to the milieu and the critical notion of the knowing subject's relation to the object known must be modified. Knowledge is not constructed abstractly on the basis of sensation, but problematically on the basis of an initial tropistic and taxic unity, which is the coupling of tropism and sensation, an orientation of the living being in a polarized world. Even here it is necessary to detach ourselves from the hylomorphic schema. There is not a sensation that would be a matter constituting as a posteriori, given for it for the a priori forms of sensibility. A priori forms are an initial resolution by the discovery of the axiomatic of tensions resulting from the encounter of primitive tropistic and taxic unities. The a priori forms of sensibility are neither a prioris nor a posteriori's obtained via abstraction, but the structures of an axiomatic that appears in an operation of individuation. In the tropistic and taxic unity, there is already the world and a living being, but the world merely appears there as a direction, as the polarity of a gradient that situates the individuated being in an indefinite dyad, the median point of which it occupies and which extends out from it. Perception and then science continue to resolve this problematic not just through the invention of spatiotemporal frameworks, but through the constitution of the notion of the object. 
which becomes the source of the initial gradients and organizes them according to a world. The distinction between the a priori and the a posteriori, a byproduct of the hylomorphic schema and the theory of knowledge, obfuscates in its dark zone the veritable operation of individuation, which is the center of knowledge. The very notion of qualitative or intensive series should be thought according to the theory of phases of being. It is not relational and subtended by a pre-existence of extreme terms, but develops on the basis of an initial intermediate state that localizes the living being and inserts it into the gradient that gives a directionality to the tropistic and taxic unity. The series is an abstract vision of the direction according to which the tropistic unity is oriented. We must start with individuation, with the being grasped in its center according to spatiality and becoming, and not with a substantiated, substantialized individual facing a world that is foreign to it. Yeah, could, could someone um, post the, the next footnote? Um, I think it should be footnote 11 um, uh, the, at the end of that paragraph, um, because that's where he introduces this term apresenti, which I mentioned, uh, I think, last time. Um, um, so that's a, a helpful footnote. Um, um, but yeah, so there, there were some questions in the chat about this notion of uh, tropism or, or the tropistic unity. Um, and there's a, a, a strange translation choice here where he, he says tropistic and toxic unity. Um, but in the in the French, it just says tropistic. I'm not sure where, where he got this uh, toxic from. Um, so I, I don't know what the what the deal is with that. Um, but so uh, this is um, again, this is sort of previewing um, the, the psychic individuation portion of the book. But um, tropism. Uh, it has to do with uh, behavior of organisms that is oriented. Uh, you have uh, bacteria that will um, swim uh, or or move up uh, up, of a, up a, a sugar concentration gradient in a solution, for example. Um, so the, they they will swim towards the the portion of the solution that has more sugar and move away from the portion that has less sugar. Um, and then you have uh, phototropism, so uh, orientation towards light. Um, so you can have there are you know, like sunflowers, of course, that will um, turn to follow the sun, um, um, and uh, and orient themselves towards uh, light. And then you have uh, negative phototropism in some insects, for example, that will run away from light um, uh, and hide in, in dark uh, areas. Um, uh, and yeah, so you, so you can have. Uh, tropisms related to uh, pretty much any property of the environment, um, but it's a, a behavior of an organism to orient itself with respect to some sort of gradient in the environment. Uh, and so Simon Dong here, he's he's borrowing this notion of tropism, um, and so he argues that this is more fundamental. Tropism is more fundamental than um, something like sensation, which would be a, a sort of a purely um, uh, receptive uh, capacity in a, in a, a psychic uh, individual or in, a, in a, um, a, a living being insofar as it um, has a psyche. Um, so um, rather than having, um, so the, the, the notion of, of sensation as matter, um, which would be um, formed um, through, uh, through concepts or something like that, um, um, this he, he qualifies this as, as being a, a, a consequence of the hylomorphic schema applied to knowledge. 
so um, modern form uh, um, appear in, in knowledge of sensation and, and concepts. Um, um, but then, uh, so he, he and, then, and then this modern form distinction corresponds to the um, a posteriori and a priori um, distinction. Uh, and then so he, he's arguing that this tropism or this, uh, this more fundamental le level uh, of the tropistic is um, uh, neither a priori nor a posteriori, but a presenti. Um, so it's not something that's uh, prior to the experience, uh, to the, the interaction between the, the subject and what it knows. Um, but it's, uh, it's a, a process of individuation that, that happens uh, uh, in that interaction between uh, the, the knowing subject and the, the object known. Can I ask then? Is this is the idea then that like I, I might just be restating what you're you're saying? I'm just trying to understand. Um, so like in this critique of the kind of Kantian idea, then for example, something like sensibility, that the problem which Simonin is identifying is that you, if you start from this idea of like a a, a psyche that somehow proceeds, um, or, or like I think there's a quote in the Combs where she talks about. Um, the operation of individuation does not admit of an already constituted observer. That's kind of where I'm starting from in this thought of like, it's like you're retrojecting this psyche as the you know transcendental subject or whatever, and that by using the idea of tropism, does does that link it to the idea of information again? So that rather than thinking, okay, well, there's this individual like a psyche or a mind interacting with this thing that's external to it, and then you have sensations, and that is. In, you know the the class the typical idea of information or of like you are receiving some kind of sense data and then you are interpreting it and this is how you know the world that what with the idea of tropism there's like a directionality to it which again I'm, I'm thinking out loud here does that does that connect it then back to Simonin's idea of information as something that is directional and as the expression of this larger process of ontogenesis in a metastable system, which would mean that the the thing doing fe feeling the sensation and the thing giving out whatever that we think of as the sense data, it's like the individual milieu thing of like they could be both products of of the same potential you know ont ontogenetic or individuative you know process that only after the fact you know because I think he says thought itself is like a, a is a process of individual uh, sorry a product of individuation rather than something that can precede it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but is, is this what he's getting at, that, that that whole scenario that a Kantian kind of approach or any kind of transcendental approach that then kind of is very suspicious of sense and intuition and all those things, which I think people like Bergson are really preoccupied with, like th th it's kind of already based on this false problem that goes back to this thing of um, yeah, information and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if it's I mean, I, I, I don't think it's directly connected to the, the, the problematic of, about inter, uh, information, um, but might be able to make that connection in, in along the lines that you um, sort of sketched out. Um, but I think the, the, the more direct um, criticism is that, um, uh, so uh, the Kantian approach of uh, understanding um, experience as, as having these two components, the, the matter and the form, uh, or the, the sensation and the concepts, um, 
that that approach um, uh, it, it has the same problem as as the hylomorphic uh, uh, theory of individuation in general, uh, because it's a, it's just a, a an application of that hylomorphic schema to knowledge. Um, so there's um, um, the the uh, the the form uh, and matter uh, interaction is not accounted for um, in that uh, in that theory. So there's this dark zone. Um, um, the, the intermediate uh, points between the between matter and form. Uh, somehow, the matter and form are supposed to interact with each other, um, but we're never given an explanation of, of how that's supposed to happen. Um, and um, um, and so the, um, the yeah. So the the, the general criticism is, is the, that um, that. Uh, dark zone. Uh, the fact that it leaves this dark zone, um, so that's um, uh, the interaction is never accounted for. Um, and then, so what? What this notion of tropism allows for instead um, is rather than leaving that dark zone uh, or leaving that, that intermediate level dark um, or, or obscure, um, there's um, you start from that intermediate zone. So the tropism is. Uh, uh, as as uh, as an organism uh, uh, undergoes uh, or or carries out um, uh, this tropism, um, it situates itself at an intermediate level uh, in that gradient. So though it it understands uh, or it, it experiences it, the world as structured into a, a more and a less uh, this indefinite dyad. Um, so and that can be more light versus less light or, or uh, more sugar versus less sugar, whatever it is, um, um, but it, it, it the the organism situates itself at, at that intermediate level um, or in that middle um, zone, uh, and then uh, the world around it is structured in terms of more and less uh, um, around that middle. Um, so this this notion of tropism allows us to avoid um, leaving that intermediate zone uh, dark or obscure. Yeah, I think it's great how um, the coupling of tropism and then sensation, you know, together that mediation um, really also um, deals with like ideas around like instinct. Um, I, I think it, you know, um, reframes all that as um, that problematic or that um, mediation and, and um, the decision uh, or like the sensing. I think there's a lot in this sentence um, that is pretty interesting. And it's reminding me also of Eduardo Cohn's work, which um, he hadn't read Simone Don because I don't think this was available, um, but um, how forests think and how amazing. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of similarities, I think, in what Cohn is trying to do. And I think this would have been really helpful. Huh. Yeah, that was helpful, uh, both of you, um, I guess. What I was thinking in my mind that I have to keep thinking through is that that's kind of why I thought it, it's related back to the information thing because then then in that point um, you know information is is literally it's a form taking it's the it's tropistic and it's um a, 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 I think we talked about last time the surface and depth thing that information isn't a, a data point that is exchanged between emitter and receiver but it's itself the expression of a problematic being resolved I guess. And so under that light, then you can get, you can start talking about 
individual milieu, like, you know, the, the milieu being robbed of the individual, all these things, as you talk about the information, I guess, emerging, rather than the information kind of being how we think of it in like computer science or something or in maths in an abstract sense of like that it just kind of exists a priori and we're just identifying we're just discovering it and finding where it is that that was kind of where i was going in my head because toxic and tropic i don't know these words like people in chat were talking about so looking at them the, the idea of directionality seems to link with what he's trying to get at that there is a unfolding and like a generative process that's happening and that's why he's looking for language that evokes that idea of movement and con and continuity might be the wrong word, but of you know continual continual individuation rather than simple kind of like static uh, states or forms or something. Yeah, it's interesting um, how I think information and like the notion one has of information becomes really central to both Simon Don's work and then. Um, and, and it's it's amazing how the, just the way one thinks of what information is really then goes on to just kind of constitute this uh, worldview one has. Um, another theorist that um, deals with information in an interesting way, I think that is very related to Simon Don, is Gregory Bateson's notion that information is a difference that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, so rather than the Shannon information being, um, you know, uh, information that is um, about communication across the channel, um, it's instead information that depends on, uh, it, it, like, something that makes a difference for, a, like, a being that, that recognizes it. And I think Simon Don falls um, in that, you know, it's very much, um, he mentions Shannon information in here, too, I think. Um, at some point, and that yeah, it's um, that his notion of information is very, very different than um, how it's constituted um, and or how it's conceived in like information theory. The way he um, explains it in the uh, form information and potentials um, discussion that we read a while ago, um, he he characterizes Shannon information as as um, having to do with the. Um, transmission of information um, but not accounting for the the generation of that information in the first place so once you have information you can transmit it uh, and and the process of transmission can be um, um, characterized by the quantity of information uh, in the the Shannon sense um, but then there's something that pre-exists uh, that transmission process there's the generation of uh, the tension of information as he, as he calls it um, um, which um, uh, is is um, prior to the transmission. Transfer back and forth is overplayed. Um, so I think we have time to read probably the next two short paragraphs. Uh, if someone else would like to read, the same method can be employed to explore affectivity and emotivity, which constitute the resonance of the being with respect to itself and connect the individuated being back to the pre-individual reality that is associated with it. Just as tropistic and taxic unity and perception link it to the milieu. The psyche consists of successive individuations that allow for the being to resolve the problematic states corresponding to the ongoing establishment of communication of that which is larger than it and that which is smaller than it. But the psyche cannot be resolved to the level of the individuated being alone. It is the basis of participation in a vaster individuation, that of the collective, calling itself into question. 
the individual being alone cannot go beyond the limits of anxiety, which is an operation without action, an ongoing emotion that does not manage to resolve affectivity, an obstacle through which the individuated being explores its dimensions of being without the ability to surpass them. The notion of the trans individual corresponds to the collective taken as the axiomatic that resolves the psychical problematic. Um, so again, this is uh, previewing stuff we won't see for a while until we get to the, the part on psychic individuation. Um, but um, so he again wants to characterize um, uh, or he wants to re reframe uh, the ideas of affectivity and emotivity um, or um, um, rather than uh, taking um, um, affectivity as um, something that um, that comes about um, after uh, after an experience or, or a relation to the world, um, um, we want to characterize affectivity as something that has to do with the incorporation of the individual into the world. Um, so it's um, uh, in the example of uh, anxiety. Um, it's this is a um, anxiety is is the sort of um, uh, failure of that process of individuation, um, or um, uh, the the um, dead end that that process of individuation runs into, and that, and that's what's going to push beyond um, uh, psychic individuation to collective individuation. Um, so it's, it's um, anxiety is is the um, is the uh, uh, emotion of the individual that um, of the psychic individual that doesn't. Um, um, that isn't capable of resolving its relation, uh, its own incorporation into the world. Um, and then, yeah, Alyosha mentioned, is this a response to uh, existentialism? Um, I think um, I think it probably is. Um, Simon Doe never cites things, uh, unfortunately, or, or almost never cites what is what he's actually referring to, um, which is kind of annoying. Um, but um, um, it's. Uh, it's a, I think it's a good chance that he's thinking of Sartre um, as his um, uh, like idea of what, uh, or, or his reference point for um, anxiety. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure uh, 100% because again, he doesn't cite it. Um, yeah, so um, I think we have time to read actually um, the, the next paragraph as well, um, which, uh, let's see, I guess I'll read it. Such a set of reforms of notions is supported by the hypothesis that an information is never relative to a single and homogeneous reality, but to two orders in a state of disparation. Information, whether this be at the level of tropistic unity or at the level of the trans-individual, is never deposited in a form that is able to be given. It is the tension between two disparate reals. It is the signification that will emerge when an operation of individuation will discover the dimension according to which two disparate reals can become a system. Information is therefore an initiation of individuation, a requirement for individuation. For the passage from the metastable to the stable, it is never a given thing. There is no unity and identity of information, for information is not a term. It supposes the tension of a system of being in order for it to be adequately received. It can only be inherent to a problematic. Information is that through which the non-resolved system's incompatibility becomes an organizational dimension in the resolution. Information supposes a phase change of a system. For it supposes a first pre-individual state that individuates according to the, the discovered organization. 
information is the formula of, in, of individuation, a formula that cannot exist before this individuation. It could be said that information is always in the present, actual, for it is the direction according to which a system individuates. And then uh, in the footnote, he, he mentions that he, um, he's not um, uh, rejecting the, uh, the notion of a quantity of information transmitted, but he's um, referring to what is more fundamental, um, the, the yeah, first information, or you could say primary information, um, which, uh, which underlies um, the, the kind of information that can be transmitted. And that, so that term disparation, again, goes back to um, the example of binocular vision, where the two images are, are disparate, they, they, they're different from each other, um, but they're incorporated into um, the, the discovery of the new dimension um, in depth perception, rather than, being, um, um, rather than, than the differences being eliminated. There's actually a whole field of biology right now that's like looking at this concept of information um, but, you know, through um, others later, like that were in English, like Gregory Bateson's like notion of the difference that makes a difference, but it's called biosemiotics. So it's about the mediation of information between, um, you know, beings and like struck and like looking at life as um, not, you know, like something that you define as like a chemical process or, um, but actually as like a um, communicative process. Yeah, biosemiotics is something that I know very little about, but um, there, I, I know enough to know that it's uh, that there's like interesting stuff, but that's about it. I, I just have a question since I don't know about it either. It, it, when you say communication, soul, does that do you mean like um, sort of like using like dialogic or like that theory, or do you mean what what has it kind of work? Sure. Well, I guess more um, semiosis is the term, uh, rather. Um, so just um, looking at um, Pierce's, um, it focuses more on like Pierce's um, um, semiotics and and using those um, to then think about um, like animal communication or um, plant communication or or just like um, how. Um, uh, this um, sort of like, I think getting at a lot of what Simone Don is, is getting at too. Um, and, and so it's just this, um, I don't know enough about it, um, but there's, there's a few people. There's like Terrence Deacon, uh, who's also a theorist um, that has done some work on um, um, biosemiotics. He has a recent book on uh, the essential or, or the, yeah. Uh, uh, and um, Jasper, or uh, Jok, wait, Hoffmeyer. Hoffmeyer is a pretty just a Hoffmeyer, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is a is a pretty big um, theorist in this um, field. So they're probably a good introductory uh, theorists to look at. Um, I will send some PDFs here because I have a whole folder on biosimulics. Someone is interested in it. And I guess the best introduction is still by Jasper Hoffmeyer. He has a whole a uh, book uh, that's just called uh, Biosemiotics. Um, I hope I can find it soon. And yeah, it's this this especially um, big string, uh, string of um, semiotics that has evolved in the last uh, decades in, in Denmark and in the upper Scandinavian countries. And there's also a whole um, 
uh, semiotic and pragmatistic society in, in Helsinki, where they are um, holding uh, regularly a purse conference and so on. So there's a lot of uh, stuff going on between uh, the field of uh, semiotics and uh, physiology, biology, but also chemistry, because there are um, sub uh, disciplines like endosemiotics that are looking at um, the specific uh, communicative uh, processes um, within enzymes, uh, with enzymes and uh, in the brain, or also uh, the communication between cells. And um, there's also something like eco semiotics, how different organisms are communi communicating with each other through different uh, signals uh, and hormones. Like in a forest, there's this whole communicative system between uh, trees, uh, fungi, and animals. So um, it, it, it's a pretty fascinating uh, new strain uh, of semiotics. Yeah, there's even, um, uh, if I remember correctly, you, you can you can characterize um, um, the the uh, translation from DNA into uh, proteins as a as a semiotic process because there's a the coding of the uh, the nucleides um, 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 so that, that they, they produce um, different enzymes uh, through this this coding system um, and so you can. You can look at DNA and RNA as uh, part of a, a, a semiotic process as well. Um, but I think we're just about at time, so um, that was uh, um, yeah. I'm gonna have to look into more of this about um, um, about biosemiotics because it's something that I know only only vaguely. Um, but uh, uh, so thanks everyone for uh, participating for your contributions. Um, and uh, uh, see you all next week.